But you just get inside them, you know, by saying things to put uh, them off their game. Like dirty talk. Uh, yeah, it depends what you're playing. Maybe, uh, maybe in Twister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then they're just not going to engage with you anymore. So they've just ghosted you because your opinion, you know, was different from theirs. Because there are snowflakes. Wow, I just stringed a lot of words there. You're so millennial. <laughs> um, were there any other big moments in the 80s? I don't know. How about you, Andy? What was your big moment? Maybe his birth. <laughs> when we yeah, bought it. Born in the 80s. Hello and welcome to the Bureau Podcast. I'm Matt Cowan, the Bureau Chief and your host. Thank you for joining me here in Ho Chi Minh City with another epic show for you today. I hope you're well wherever you're listening to us. Be sure to let us know where you usually listen in from. Visit our social pages on Facebook at The Bureau Asia and Instagram at The Bureau Asia and leave a message. Tell us where you are, what you like about the show and even what you'd like to hear more about. Short of that, just tell us how good we are, I suppose. We'll get a kick out of that. Speaking of kicks, the Aussie football team, the Socceroos, faced off, uh, face masked off with Vietnam's national team, the Golden Dragons in Hanoi this week on what can best be described as a cow paddock. Come on, Vietnam, get the rollers out, anything. Just make it flat next time. I swear I saw balls. Soccer balls, that is, Mel. I was going to try and make some jokes earlier, but I was waiting for this. I saw balls rebound backwards at times as they ricocheted off large clods on the surface. Surely the pitch wasn't up to international standards. Anyway, like a bag snatcher in the night on Bui Vin, the Aussies stole a win. It was... Yeah, it was messy, but they got the job done. Well done, boys. Although you've got to ask how an international football match can be staged in the middle of a pandemic in a country where we've all been locked inside for a month or more and locked down for three. Now, lining up alongside me in the penalty box, socks up. Me? Hairband on, ready to give some head is (laughs) is the Bureau's content manager, Melanie Consul. How are you, Mel? I'm pretty good. It's another Friday and we have another podcast recording and I'm excited. Do you follow football? Uh, no. I know you have a passing interest in AFL though, but mm-hmm. um, do you- Wait we- a minute, football, you mean soccer? Yeah, soccer. Yeah. Yeah, the, no. uh, the round ball game. <laughs> no, no, not really. Or the world game. I think they call it the world game the as well. The world or game. Or the beautiful game or something yeah, like something that. something like that. <laughs> um, now, Mel, I think mm-hmm. sledging would be your strong point. <laughs> What's up? Well, it's when you get inside the head of your opponent and try to put them off. What? Like you say you, stuff to them. You hammer their head? You can't, it, not really, but you just <laughs> get inside them, you know, by saying things to put oh, them off their game. Like dirty talk. Uh, yeah, it depends what you're playing. Maybe, uh, maybe in Twister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I reckon you'd make up uh, for your lack of size with mm. the ability to do that, to get inside oh, yeah. your opponent's heads. I have a really loud voice. Yeah. So 
even if I can't run very fast and catch yeah. up with my opponent, I can shout yep. from one end of the field to the other and just say really yeah, well, dirty that's, stuff. That's what I was thinking. Now, <laughs> I think especially you'd be able to get into the younger generation of snowflakes. Ah. You'd be able to get right inside that. Do you know? Do you know what a snowflake is? Yeah, I kind of do, but I'm not an expert on it. Okay, well, now that you say that, um, joining us on the line, as usual, waiting quietly on the bench somewhere (laughs) in the quiet streets, downtown, right in the heart of Ho Chi Minh City. Ooh, I make that sound mysterious, don't I? Uh, And (laughs) someone who I will forever associate with the word snowflake, Mm. not because he is one, but because he can't stand them. And I think he taught me what it means. It's co-host Andrew Tran. How are you, Andy? Keep the sub going well. Thank you. Alpha mood today. What? Let's get this show on the road. I'm lost already. What's a super sub? What's an alpha mood? Super um, sub. Like, no. Okay. uh, Tell us later. Now, let's just take a step back for a moment. Andy, I'm assuming not all of our listeners uh, know what a snowflake is. So can you give us a definition? Well, if you don't know what a snowflake is and you're asking if you are a snowflake, then <laughs> there could be a chance that you are a snowflake. Oh. But no. Uh, but if you want to know what a snowflake is, always type in the reputable urban dictionary. But what they basically say is it's a sensitive person, someone who's sensitive, someone who gets easily hurt, easily offended mm. by statements or, or anything that you do, right? Okay. So it, it doesn't even have to be political. Mm. It can right. be anything conservative. Right. Yeah. So Okay. So I guess the equivalent uh-huh. in our generation of our generation yeah. now would be pussy. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. You know, uh, you would yeah, have been yeah, a yeah, pussy sure. if yeah, you were yeah. seen to be a bit weak or yeah. a bit soft yeah, or yeah. you couldn't handle things. Soft. Yeah. Would, yeah. Sure. Would that be right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I guess in our generation, I'm not really sure. I'm trying to think of a Filipino word that is equivalent, but mm. it escapes me at the moment. So yeah, pussy would be an equivalent, I think. Okay. Yeah, sure. Now, Andy's taught me a number of words uh, <laughs> that have enriched my life somewhat recently. Another one is simping. Do you know what that one is? No. Okay, it's spelled S-I-M-P-I-N-G. Okay. Now, without really looking into it too much, I assume that the simp part, S-I-M-P, mm-hmm. comes from the sympathy in sympathy. Oh, like, please that- have the sympathize with me. Something like that. Is that right, Andy? I think so, but I use simp as a way. But honestly, I use simp as a way to describe someone who just does way too much for one person. You know what I mean? Ah, so, okay. So maybe for yeah. our generation, Mel, okay. it'd be something like sucking up. Oh, like an you know, Electrolux vacuum being, cleaner, <laughs> something, something like, like that, that. <laughs> or being pussy whipped. That might be. That oh might yeah, be yeah. can you know? Yeah, you know, but, yes. yeah. Simp, simping. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. What do you think, Andy? Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah. Yep. That would be a very, very fair assessment. Simp. (laughs) (laughs) Just makes me laugh. Now, uh, Andy, are there any other words we need to know? As Gen X is here, Mm -hmm. Mal and I. Yep. um, You know, we need to uh, bone up, so to speak. Yeah. On our vocabulary. We need to uh, connect with the millennials. Now, you got me last week, Andy, with the D-Energy Mm. One, um, I'd never heard of that. Big D energy. Yeah, what is that? It's, it's when it's when you like women sometimes might go, oh man, that guy's the guy's a baller, man. He's just displaying big D energy, so ah. basically displaying like 
some sort of manliness. Misogyny. Uh, alpha kind of. Uh, alpha male yeah, okay. kind of behavior. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, type of tendency. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But a couple of words uh, for anyone who is listening at home is uh, blue pill and red pill, which is actually quite Ooh. coincidental because the new Matrix movie. Yeah. I don't know if you guys uh, yeah. saw it. Yes, yes. They released the yep. trailer. Yep. And it looks pretty exciting. So if you guys watched uh, the Matrix back in the late 90s, and yes. you I was alive. I was, near. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I was in high school. So blue pill or the red How do you yeah. use this? If do you say to someone, you know, take a blue pill dude or what? No, no, no. It's like Alice in Wonderland, but instead of like drinking from something, it's a pill. Okay. You know? Ah, yeah. I see. Yeah. Okay. So a red pill indicates that someone wants to rethink, you know, they've discovered, mm. they've woken up and they're about to embark on their journey. So basically like, yeah, woke. But not in a woke as in the, uh, you don't get it twisted like people who are woke and who are somehow, oh, okay, okay, okay. you know, hardcore vegans or, you know, it's, or defining like we, we should be super sensitive, overly uh, sensitive, or like you know, minority sex. Cancel culture yeah. woke is different. Yeah, no, nah, okay. you don't want that. Okay. Red pills are like back into the old days of like, all right, red pill, blue pill. The red good pill, old days. Like you're free thinking, blue pill, you decide, yeah, you decide like you want, you know, ignorance is bliss. Okay. Mm-mm. And do you use these words only online or are they spoken mm. as well? No, I'll, I'll, I'll call someone out as okay. a student. Mm. Or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard it. I don't care. Well, yeah. Yeah, these are really good, uh, you know, uh, words to know how to connect to a millennial. Uh, Thanks for that. But um, there's a lot of these words that I noticed, though, that have just been recycled from the RuPaul's Drag Race lingo, you know. And, you Uh, know, RuPaul's Drag Race has been going on for a while, you know. And so uh, words like tea, you know, like spilt tea or juicy gossip, like, hey, girl, what's the tea? Or the really? tea is, I've yeah, heard that yeah. Before. Okay. And then there's something also, um, shade, you know? So, like, ah, you would say, yeah. um, no tea, no shade. So, it's like, no disrespect, but I just, you know, want to... To, to say the truth about somebody. And throwing shade? Is yeah, that throwing the shade. Yeah, ah, that's yeah, it. Right. And then, of course, this famous thing called snatched, like, hey, you look snatched. Oh, that performance was snatched. And that means you're looking ah. great. You're amazing. You got it on point. Yeah, stuff like that. But do straight, middle-aged white guys say that sort of stuff? Can I walk down the street and <laughs> say, you're snatched? You're snatched. <laughs> Uh, probably not. There's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of girls use this online and that's because a lot of girls watch RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, and we're just fans. And Andy, Andy, do you watch RuPaul? (laughs) No, I don't. What is it? Uh, It's this uh, reality show that's been going on for a while. It's, uh, that's good. Yep. Yeah, I really good. like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah Matt yeah. watches it yeah. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes when it's on. Yeah. yeah. Is it like Game of Thrones? No, it's a reality show. Oh. It's like uh, a contest for, for, for drag queens. So they have challenges, oh, different, okay, yeah. you know, uh, different yeah. challenges a week. Yeah, and- nah. <laughs> okay. Not up your alley. Yeah, nah. <laughs> yeah, nah. Nah. Okay, great. I'm going to be ready to face the world when we're finally out. Um, mm. By then, though, there could be a whole slew of new words I need to catch up on. Yeah, that's right. 
Now, Mel, mm-hmm. you put me onto the Oxford University Press yes. Word of the Year site yesterday, mm-hmm. and I've had a quick squeeze. Uh-huh. The award goes back to 2004. Okay. In which Chav was Word of the Year, or oh. Chavy. You're a chavvy. Basically, it means bogan. Like in Australia, <laughs> you'd say bogan, but we wouldn't say chav. And the year after, in 2005, podcast was word of the year in the US. Mm. Seems like we're a little bit behind. <laughs> oh, yeah, we are. Definitely. Uh, as Elmer Fudd says, you are a very warty wabbit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, let me read some of the more recent ones. In 2009, it was unfriend. In- <laughs> That could be one this year too. But that was like 2009. Wasn't Facebook just new? Yeah. Yep. And well, then so people, guess, yeah. people were already unfriending yeah. Facebook. Uh, in yeah, but that was Friendster, remember? <laughs> in uh, 2013, it was Selfie. Ah. Uh-huh. I thought Selfie was uh, more recent. Actually, there were a lot of people doing selfies before 2013 with yep. like their, you know, cyber shot camera phones. Mm. But I guess this is oh, the year. Wow. I remember that. Yeah. But I guess this is the year when a selfie front facing or a self facing camera was ah, popular. Right. Yeah, popularized. Okay. On mobiles yeah, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And then vape made it in 2014. Vaping's been around. That wow. Long. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. In 2015, there wasn't a word. It was an emoji, <laughs> the one crying from laughter. I still use it until today. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's a ripper. Today, yeah. um, now, in 2017, apparently it was Youth Quake. What? I guess is that I a missed band? that one. I don't know. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> and in 2018, Toxic. Is that when Britney Spears' song Toxic no, came no, out? that was a long time ago. And I they know, just I used it? That one. Uh, I remember that one. The Oxford Dictionary is so <laughs> delayed. A boring one, next one, climate emergency in 2019. So I guess Greta Thunberg. Ah, sure. And yeah, I guess, <laughs> yeah. And 2020 was shit. What? No, I'm just saying it was shit. <laughs> uh, 2020 didn't get a word. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I read that there were too many new and unprecedented things happening in 2020. So it was difficult to choose just one. Right. So like every month they had a new word, like January, it was bushfire. Oh, right. And then- Yeah, lots happened in, yeah, in that 2020, time period. There was also some uh, impeachment, Right. you know, relating to Trump being impeached, but of, of course that didn't happen. And then of course COVID happened right. in 2020 and there's a lot of other stuff. Which leads to 2021. What word do you think deserves the title of word of the year? So let's contextualize it. Mm. Choose a word that best sums up Vietnam this year for you. Yeah. Do I need to explain it or just pop in my head? No, I think just um, okay. give us a few. Um, lockdown. Okay. Ah. Shipper. Oh, yeah, that's a oh, good one. Oh, shipper. shipper. And it's very Vietnam. Yeah. So shipper is, uh, mm-hmm. for listeners outside of Vietnam, mm-hmm. that is uh, like delivery person. Yeah, a grab delivery yep. and, you know, all these other delivery apps. And my favorite word, <laughs> this, uh, of course, I'm being sarcastic, collaborate. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hi, the Bureau, we'd like to collaborate with you. Oh, yeah. I.E., you do all the work for free. <laughs> all right, on that note, Andy. What? I don't do this for free. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> the bill's in the mail. How dare you? 
Okay. All right. So mine uh, was Precious. Mm. Uh, I just see quite a lot of people just doing first world problems in Vietnam for no reason. It's like, oh. come on, mate. Don't be that precious. Okay. Other okay. things happening. Yep. What I'm also seeing is abundance. Everyone's like taking you know, photos. I'm, I'm seeing that on your feed a lot. Abundance. Oh. There's a... Uh, and uh, influencing. Yep. Oh, uh, sorry. Go ahead. I know abundance because there, there's a really yeah. popular show. It's called Posts. And then it's like the house of abundance. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought of it. Oh. <laughs> and what was the last one, Andy? Sorry, I cut you off there. Influencer. Everyone wants to be an influencer right now Including and, uh, us. and which kind of <laughs> yeah but you know it, it, but it, it kind of tags into that abundance right now you're seeing a lot of i just see a few expats just posting you know a lot of the oh, oh my god look at all the food that i just bought you know and i just paid x oh my god you know uh, and they feel like they're an influencer maybe but another one that just popped out whilst we oh sorry go ahead no i guess maybe uh the the word uh, unfollow should make a comeback in 2020. <laughs> oh, unfriend. Sorry. Unfollow. Yeah. yeah. Unfollow is probably the new 2021. But, you know, I think uh, I think I'll get some unfollows after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> or how about this? Um, what's that? Scene. That's another oh, word. That's a good one. Scene. So, you know, you send a message to somebody yeah. and then they've seen it and they just <gasps> ghost you. Yep. Ooh. That could be a good one yeah, too. That's Ooh, can I steal one. that? Isn't that haunting though? No, ghosting is like when people stop talking to you. Like for example, you know, you start, uh, somebody posts something on social media and then you have an opposing opinion and you expressed it and then they would just like not talk back to you. They're not going to delete your post or maybe they will, but then they're just not going to engage with you anymore. So they've just ghosted you because your opinion you know, was different from theirs because there are snowflakes. Wow, I just stringed a lot of words there. You're so millennial. <laughs> Andy, you had a fourth one. What was the fourth one that you said? The situation. Ah, the Everyone situation. Everyone calls it the situation. The situation. Oh. It's complex. Yeah. I think I've been locked up for too long. <laughs> um, okay, I'm just going to go with tone deaf, which actually sort of uh, dovetails yeah. nicely with Andy's. He yeah. mentioned that before, something about abundance and influences. So, yeah. uh, you know, people mm. online posting all the food they've got or they're yeah. on holidays somewhere else. We did we mention down. tone deaf, I think, in, yeah. um, in a previous yep. episode. Yep. Yeah, that's right. So look out for these hashtags, folks. We'll be using them over the next week or so. So check <laughs> those out. I'm sure Andy will be uh, pulling out the abundance one <laughs> pretty regularly. But please don't unfollow <laughs> us. Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow marks 20 years since 9-11, when four aircraft were hijacked by Al-Qaeda terrorists in the US. Two planes, of course, were flown into the World Trade Center in New York. A third one was crashed into the side of the Pentagon, and the fourth one crashed into a field, missing its intended target, which was later determined to be the White House or the US Capitol building. Passengers in that case had attempted to regain control of the aircraft before it crashed. In total, 2,977 people lost their lives in the attacks, over 25,000 suffered from injuries, and there are substantial ongoing long-term health issues among the survivors. Hey guys, where were you when it happened? 
Wow. Um, yeah, sorry. I just had to change my mood um, there. And um, yeah, it's a really sad time to commemorate. So I was actually in the U.S. from August the 10th to the 30th, uh, 2001 for my sister's wedding. So, oh yeah, before I forget, happy 20th anniversary to my sister, Melissa and Kevin, her husband. And um, so come September, I think I was just at home. Of course, there's time differences between the U.S. I think that happened like really early in the morning, like at 8, 8.30, something like that. Yeah, between 8... Between eight to 10, that's like the the key moments uh, of that day. You know, I was just watching TV, switching channels. And then when I switched to to CNN and it had it on. So I can't really remember if it was like live or they were like replaying some some key scenes of the day. And I, I just couldn't stop watching. And of course, my sister was in the U.S. And um also have you know other cousins in the u.s and my aunt was living in new york well not Mm. in manhattan but in um uh, in long island i think i I can't remember anymore and one of my best friends barry i think she was in new jersey so that was like a really really those areas where i had uh family and Mm. close friends were living so i think at that time well, obviously there was like no mobile phones, you know, it wasn't yeah, easy to communicate right. with right. your, with your family and friends. And so I think in my mind, it was just rushing. And although my sister was in Tennessee, you didn't know what other places in the, in the U.S. would get, you know, um, terrorist attacks. So yeah, that was just like the, the, the 24 hours um, from that time when I looked at the TV, it was... I think it was just really panic that my family and friends were, you know, are they okay? And you, you went again, you visited yeah, after yeah. the attacks, right? So I, I was just looking at my old passport actually before the show, just to, right. just to double check. So I, I visited the U.S. again in 2003 and in 2005. And I can't remember which trip I visited New York. And I went actually to see Ground Zero with my cousin Archie right. uh, at that time. And I think uh, with my friend Barry, uh, who I said was living in New Jersey uh, at that time, I think we walked down the pier where mm. um, pier where the World Trade Center pier is, you know, right. where you can get a boat, you can get a ferry to right. New Jersey. How was the, the site at that point? So that was like two to... Well, 2003, yeah. that was two years after. Yeah. I can't remember if it was it 2003 then? or 2005. No, there was still a big gaping hole. Right. Uh, but there were already um, some memorials set um, to commemorate uh, the fallen. I'm not sure if those memorials that I saw were transformed into something uh, more grandiose, the ones that we are currently seeing um, on TV and yep. the images on social media. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, Andy, where were you at the time? Uh, I was young, so I was in high school. I was still going to school. Everything was a normal day. Though, looking, thinking back at it, it was a little bit quiet. Like in the morning, I didn't really think too much at it because I would get up in the morning and most things are quiet anyway. And so, you just didn't really feel much. And then I'm in high school and, you know, you watch it on the telly back when TV, big screen TVs were on a massive box. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And they got yeah, shared between classes. Yeah, wow. that's right. Yeah. But I remember it was a pretty surreal moment um, just seeing that and then 
that's all, like, no one could really do any work. Teachers couldn't really teach. Mm. Students really were just like, what does this mean? It was just a real weird day. And just, I remember coming back home, speaking to my brother, speaking to my family. It was just such a weird day. And that's, that's how I kind of saw it. It was just, and then afterwards, like, you know, not long after you had the, the orange, you know, America kind of did the, the, you know, orange threat, the red threat, and then the green threat kind of thing. Right. Like, you know, the yep. green, orange, red. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that was my day. Just very surreal. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. I was living with my sister at the time in Brisbane. And so, yeah, Mel, you said it happened at about eight or nine o'clock in the morning, New I York time. So, so yeah. what, about nine or ten in Australia, I think, Andy? Would that be right? I can't really remember yeah. now, but I, was, I, I think I just jumped into bed and then she knocked on the door and she said, Matt, you better come and check this out. And she had a TV in a room. Mm little portable TV and uh, she showed me and, um, you know, there was a news flash on. Remember we had those news flashes, yeah. you know, we interrupt this program. And, Breaking uh, news. Yeah, yeah, I sat on the end of her bed and couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was just, like Andy said, it was surreal. Yeah. You know, and at that stage uh, the first plane had already hit the building mm. Um. And black smoke was billowing out, you know, those those images that yep. you see all the time. And this was on live television. Then the second plane hit. I couldn't believe it. I was yeah. it's, like Andy said, it was just surreal. And here we were in suburban Brisbane, mm. around the other side of the world. I've and I'd never I've never been to wow. New York, you know, but it was it just there was this feeling that it mm-hmm. gave you, you know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Australia and, and America have shared a lot over the years yeah. and similar values and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there's that sort of connection there. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at it, looking at the, the towers, you know, billowing with smoke, and I turned to my sister and I said, that tower or one of those towers come is going to go. For sure, yeah. And sure enough, not long after that, it went down and yeah. it was – yeah, it was surreal, you know. So um, I guess it it's our generation's, Mel, Gen X. Yeah. I think it's our sort of JFK assassination oh, yeah, yeah. moment yeah, or sure. the man on the moon moment that our parents had, mm. you know. They, they talk about that and they talk about mm. the Beatles and all that sort of yeah. stuff, you know. Well, in my country, we have that moment as well, uh, the assassination moment. We yeah. have the Ninoy Aquino assassination yep. uh, in in the 80s so um this of course this is bigger mm. like it it affected everybody worldwide as well so yeah, yeah i think it i think it's a good point you make though my generation at least i think we we're pretty sheltered we had a pretty uneventful sort of uh, growing up growing formative years mm-hmm. growing up years although we did go through the the cold war yes you know so we were I, I had martial law. I mentioned it last yep. week. Yep. But I was just, I was too young to comprehend, you know, how serious the Cold War was then, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up in, 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 in rural Victoria, you <laughs> know, and away from all this sort of stuff. But they tell me that uh, we came pretty close to being blown to smithereens. Yeah. Uh, but one upside. Yep. We survived 80s music and big hair bands. <laughs> New wave. Unbelievably. <laughs> um, were there any other big moments in the 80s? I don't know. How about you, Andy? What was your big moment? Maybe his birth. <laughs> when were yeah, you born, I was born in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in the mid-80s. Wow. So yeah. I knew 
Yeah, so I knew I knew nothing of what you're talking about. I'm a I'm a you know I'm a generation of uh, you know not having to deal with anything except yep. for racism. But I think the yep. big thing from the '80s was, and this is not me personally, but this is from my older brother and sister. Was right. World Expo in Brisbane. Mm. Um, so for them, that was like a big, big thing. And especially if you're an immigrant and you're in Brisbane back in the '80s, you know it's not as multicultural as it is right now. You know, to have this kind of cultural moment at, in Brisbane in a small, big town, uh, it was a big deal uh, mm. for my brother. Yeah, I remember that. And I, uh, I actually went to uh, Expo 88 <laughs> and hated no it. Hated it. I was, I was a kid. Uh, I would have been 14. Uh, no, actually, I didn't hate it. No, I, it was just. You were bored. You were a teenager. Yeah, kind of. And mm. um, I remember the New Zealand. Pavilion. What do you call it? Pavilion was just amazing, but mm. you had to line up forever because mm. the word went out that New Zealand one was amazing, mm. and it was from memory, but I can't remember anything else about it. But, you know, the, the great thing that came out of the expo, of course, was South Bank. So they redeveloped the area, mm. the site where it was, and, you know, South Bank's pretty awesome now. But, yeah, uh, World Expo, it, it really put Brizzy on the map, apart mm. from the uh, Fitzgerald inquiry, Andy. <laughs> into police corruption. Yeah, in well, the- <laughs> okay, well, I've pre-recorded five moments in history, mm? five big moments I want you two to listen to. Is it uh, like recent history? Um, in the 20th century. Okay, great. Yeah, because okay. there's no recording prior to the 20th century. <laughs> So somewhere in there, without giving too okay. much away, I want you to listen to them and then if you have the answer, uh, just, just tell us. And what you need to do is tell me who it was and what the occasion was. Mm. Okay, are you ready? Yep. Yes. Here we go. Number one. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Now, I thought I'd start with an easy Ooh. one. Super easy. All right. Who wants it? I can go in. It's yeah. easy. Neil, Neil Armstrong, right? Yes. Very good. Yeah. Walking on the moon, mm. which I think is fake. But anyway, that's another <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> uh, do you know? Do you know what date it was? Oh. <gasps> no, looking at Ooh. Google. Okay. No, not really. No. August. It was July 21, okay. 1969. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. 69, that's why. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay, number two. And so, my fellow Americans. It's not what you can do for your country, what your country, what your country can, can do for you, you, but what you can do for your country. What you can do for your country. JFK, inaugural speech. Yes. Well done, Mel. Sorry about that, Andy. You had no chance on that one. Um, Andy's too young. It's okay. Give us the date then, Mel, <laughs> when that mm, happened. I'm not good at dates. I'm good at lines. I'm good at memorizing lines, but dates, I'm, I'm, I'm bad. You're no good on dates. No. Numbers, no. Okay, uh, January 20, 1961. Mm. Yeah, so uh, that's this year. It was 60, is that 60 years since that happened? Numbers. I can do numbers. Of course, he was assassinated not that long afterwards, November Mm. 22, 1963. Okay, let's go on to the third one. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. (laughs) 
Is it David Hasselhoff? No, but David Hasselhoff was there <laughs> about two years later. I think Gorbachev, right? Okay, he mentioned Gorbachev. Was it the Berlin Wall? Yes. yes. Was it the wall? Yes, yes, it's about the wall. Was it the fall? Was it the fall of the wall? No, before the fall Back of the night, wall. Yeah, two years oh. before the war. Yeah. Two years before the fall of the wall. Nah, I don't know the date. Do you know who it was speaking? No, man. Ronald, okay, Reagan. Ronald Reagan. Ah, Ronald it was, Reagan. It was Ronald Reagan and he was he held a speech in front of Brandenburg Gate mm. on June 12, 1987. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, he was ah. talking uh, – he was uh, appealing to Gorbachev, mm-hmm. who was the president right. of the USSR mm. at the time. And then, yeah, about two years later – David uh, Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff. Another actor. Yeah. Another <laughs> – because Ronald Reagan was an actor before he became president, right? <laughs> I mean, the wall fell down, came yeah. down, and I think Hasselhoff's career went up. Went up. Yeah. <laughs> believe it or not. Okay, next one. Moving on. Uh, number four. The day had been dining at the Ritz Hotel owned by his father, Mohammed Al Faid. Oh, when Princess Diana died. Yes. Yes, in it, Paris. It, it was the day Lady Diana, Diana or died. Princess Diana Princess died. Princess Diana died. Yeah, in Paris. Yes. Uh, what date? Oh man, I should know this. I'm like oh. such a royal follower. I remember the year. Yeah. See, I remember. I remember. Yes, it was ninety-seven. Yeah. Yes. I remember that day, man. I was yep. at home and I just kept on crying. I do because it was uh, a girlfriend's birthday that day. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's pretty hard to forget that date. Um, Okay, and let's move on to number five, the final one. We turned around to take a look at it. The sight that greeted our eyes was... Oh, the Challenger! We had expected to... No, but that's a good guess. We saw this cloud of boiling dust and debris below us with this tremendous mushroom on top. Wasn't that the Challenger blowing up? No, but I wish I'd thought of that. That was another... Good moment in history so to, something, to document. Something obviously went um, wrong and exploded. <laughs> yes. Well, it didn't necessarily go wrong. Okay. It exploded on purpose. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What? Is it, is it the atomic bomb thing? Yes. Uh, well done, Andy. Yes. The atomic bomb over Hiroshima, testing. which... Oh, it's uh, not a testing. Oh, it's a real... No, oh, it yeah. ultimately... Yeah, it was the one. It was the little boy that essentially ended the war, although there was mm. another one uh, over Nagasaki, um, I think a couple of days later. Mm. Any ideas what date? 1945. Yes. More specific? It's a tough one. I know. I guess. August 6, okay. 19. Yeah, I was going to say that. And the man speaking was the Enola Gay pilot. Enola and, uh, Gay. His da, name da, da, was da, da, da. Paul Tibbetts Jr. Mm. And... Incidentally, his middle name was Warfield. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I don't know where that comes from. There's an OMD song called Enola Gay. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Well, another week, another COVID-19 news story. In fact, quite a few COVID stories in a rapidly developing space here in Ho Chi Minh City. But before we get into those, let's take a moment to get a snapshot of where things stand at the moment. At around this time yesterday, Vietnam's caseload was pushing 560,000 cases, with new cases the day before reaching close to 13,000. 
The seven-day average of daily new cases over the past three months was just under that at 12,862. Ho Chi Minh City by far remains the location in Vietnam with the highest amount of cases, with over 273,000 as of this time yesterday, according to VN Express. There have been just over 11,000 COVID-related deaths in Ho Chi Minh City, estimated to be around 123 deaths per 100,000 people. Andy, how have things been for you this past week in the centre of town? still quiet. I haven't walked out or anything. I'm still hearing every once in a while some sirens that go off. Right. Um, you know, hearing the domestic fights that, or arguments, when say fights, oh, domestic okay. arguments that yeah. are going on in okay. the hand. But no, I'm just staying focused, um, you know, getting into more online webinars that just gives me a chance to speak to people and see people. Yeah, I've um, seen you've been busy. And also, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we just had something a couple of weeks ago for LinkedIn Local Saigon. I know you touched in for a minute on that, which is really cool. But then also, yeah, just working on my own podcast and speaking to other guests as well. So, yeah, just trying to stay as, as sane as possible through this time. Okay, good stuff. And how about in the outer suburbs, Mel? I just discovered... Zalo. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we're uh, two weeks into this second hard lockdown. We're running out of food. And, you know, um, the local K market here near where we live in this apartment uh, complex, they they started doing this. You can order from like 10 o'clock to 1030 in the morning. And then what they do is like they they have it on Zalo and then you can like they upload photos. Yeah, you know? it's really good, isn't and it? And then you can like choose what you want uh, between that time frame, and then you can pick it up when it's ready and you pay by card or cash. But the only caveat to this Zalo group is that everybody knows who you are, where you live, and your phone number. Yeah. So, so has your phone rung? I've gotten <laughs> a, a few friend oh, requests. Here we go. But I've, you know, obviously on my Zalo profile, it's just for, you know, um, orders, uh, ordering online. But the thing that I noticed and, you know, oh my gosh, I think I'm an influencer now, really. So, you know, you get a bunch of these pictures and it's so hard to like, you know, choose what you want. And so I'm kind of bored. So I make these collages Ooh. on Adobe Spark. Okay. And then I, you know, I put the, the photos of the food that I want to buy in a collage. And then I, sent, I, I make like this really nice message to... To the and how's your reach? Has your following gone? <laughs> no, what? but I know, uh, and I, I make, I, I put like a, a message, like every day my message is different ah. to these, um, to the shop sellers, like you rock, you know, like um, frontline workers, thank you, you know, have a have a nice weekend, TGI Friday, and then I noticed the next day, and then the next day, more and more people in that chat group were imitating no me. Really? They were imitating wow. the graphics and the nice thank yous and the hellos and the collages. Good. I might just join that. that I get, <laughs> I'd get more reaction from that than I do from Instagram. That's for sure. More reach. <laughs> now, uh, last week, if you listened to our show, we discussed the survey VN Express released 
which revealed that 62% of almost 70,000 respondents had lost their jobs and that half of those unemployed respondents said they only had enough money to last for another month at the most. Now, Andy, you sent me another article from, I think, another survey by VN Express in which over 21,500 small businesses were polled. Like last week's survey, I suggest you take what I'm about to tell you with a grain of rice Mm -hmm. uh, because I don't know the methodology and some of the numbers seem a bit skewed. Anyway, uh, 69% of the over 21,000 businesses surveyed had temporarily closed. Just 16% are still operating, while 15% have officially shut down. Nearly half of the companies polled said they had no idea how long they would be closed for, and the sectors of fisheries, services, and agriculture have had the highest shutdown ratio, followed by industry and construction. Four out of 10 companies that have temporarily closed don't have enough cash to last another month, with 52% of them having cut staff to reduce costs. Now, the report also listed how remaining businesses in operation are dealing with a lack of cash flow, which I think is important to take a quick look at. The first thing they have done is lower costs. For example, layoff workers. Next is borrow from banks, followed by borrowing from organisations and individuals, then borrowing from government support funds, and lastly, through the issuance of bonds. Andy, you first. What are your thoughts on all this borrowing? I think it's a slippery slope for these kind of small businesses to put them more into debt. But I think you might see some disruptions going on in terms of business play where you're going to see more micro-lending organizations come out. And for anyone who's listening at home, like micro-loans, usually small amounts of about 200 or less, 200 USD or less. And it gives people a chance to kind of either tie them through to the next kind of round or or just kind of start small businesses. So there's a few places around Asia that already have it. So Lender, which is a company based in the Philippines. You've got GoBear, which was actually recently bought out by Finder, which is an Aussie company. And you've got MoneyTap, which also has a startup presence in Vietnam as well. But the alternative, I think, if you can't get any bank loans, you know, if these micro lenders aren't necessarily suitable for you is potentially an increase in, unfortunately, loan sharking. Right. Yeah, that doesn't sound too good, does it? Well, there's some light at the end of the tunnel, however. VN Express reported the day after that deliveries are now allowed from 6am to 6pm every Mm. day for the first time in two months. What are you going to order, guys? Yeah, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait a few days. I mean, it's already quite hard to order your groceries through apps anyway, because even though, you know, if the shops aren't going to close and you're racing through to make your order, whether or not it's going to get picked up by a driver. So I think just increased amount. uh, Yeah, I'm just going to wait a few days. I've got enough food, thank God, and uh, I'm just going to wait it out. Um, I'm not really going to be like ordering anything um, expensive. That's for sure. I'm not going to like order something that I, you know, th- in these times, the words want and need, you know, we have to be conscious about that. Do you really need it or do you just want it? All yeah. right. And in this day and age where we are right now, this situation, 
you're going to have to just order needs, not wants. So, you know, if you feel like I need to drink something, are you going to order water or you're going to order like an expensive craft beer or yeah. wine, you know, I'll that's, try. A, that, I'll try. <laughs> that's a no brainer question for me, you know, what you're going to get, uh, uh, delivered before we went on, uh, our recording, I actually saw that, uh, Baba's kitchen is back to delivery. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And see, I'm, I'm not craving for Indian food, but I know that Robin and his crew has been super generous uh, to, to the local people, uh, helping them through this tough time. And for me, I want to order from them, you know, just to say, I I've seen what you've done, Robin, and I'm going to support you now that your business is kind of like back to normal. Okay. But before everybody gets excited, uh, Andy, again, he pointed out in the Bureau's Facebook group yesterday that there are some caveats mm. to venues being able to start opening again or operating again. Yeah, I saw that. Like testing and vaccinations, I think, Andy, for staff. Yeah, exactly. I think um, they say like it's all have to be online services, so no brain of that. But they said workers need to have received at least one vaccination dose and must test the negative for the virus every two days. So wow. I think if we break it down, right, yeah, but if we break it down, right, um, there's only like maybe 50% of the population here in Saigon that have been vaccinated, have been given the first vaccination dose. You know, I don't know how they're going to police that. And then secondly, it's like, well, how do you look towards those, those negative test cases, right? So, I mean, those zoos kits, uh, it's going to cost a bit. Or yeah, really that's right. Yeah. yeah, we've been talking about that yeah, a bit when, on this show. When I went to uh, the clinic, um, yep. it cost like 350,000 Vietnam dong for a 30-minute uh, quick test. So the next question really is, who's going to be paying for those tests? Uh, is the employer going to do that every two days for their staff? And where do the staff live? What if your what if your store is in District Seven and then your workers live, you know, in District Ten or in Tuduk or some some faraway place? Yep. Like, you know, how do you how do you assist your workers to to come back and work for you, or are they just gonna like change, uh, you know, uh, lay off these people and then get new workers who are who are tested? You know, I mean, I don't know how those things work. And how much are the tests going to be? And like Mm. Andy said, who's going to police it? Yep. So there's there's a lot of things to iron out. It's not just a matter of opening up again. Mm. And yeah, the cost, the owners will obviously bear that of of the restaurants or the bars. Will that get pushed onto the customer. The taxes. Which I'm assuming it will. For the food. But then, you know, customers like us, do we have the money then to actually go out? So what impact, guys, do you think it'll have on uh, decision-making as Mm. to whether you go out or not? Well, I think um, special occasions will probably still warrant a going out, you know, birthdays, anniversaries. Look, we've been locked down for a long time. So like with you and me, you're probably sick of me. No, no, no. It's just, it's been amazing (laughs) the whole time. I could do it again. (laughs) For 20 more years. In another life. (laughs) So I think uh, when you say impact, I think it's also the impact that it has taken on, you know, 
uh, couples or families that have just been with each other, you know? So like, I'm sure that families with like three or five children would re- parents would really want a break, you know, from, from their mm. kids. And so maybe, you know, mom and dad need a, a, a date night. Right. So okay. those are the scenarios yep. which I think would warrant a going out. What about you, Andy? Ah. Uh. You still gonna have people that want to go out because they're just stuck at home. Like Mel said, they're stuck at home. Either you know, it's smaller, like small confine. They've seen the same person day after day. Oh. I want to catch up with their friends. Who's there with you, Andy? You know, who, no who, one. Who's what? Who's there with you day by day? <laughs> no one. Ah, <laughs> oh, so that's your reason. No you want to start. He's a. Uh, he's- oh. You want I to think, start going Can I use again? one of those new words you taught me, Andy? I think you're thirst trapping. <laughs> thirst trapping, yeah. Trapping. Oops. Well, thirst trapping will mean I have something to give. But uh, <laughs> I have nothing to give. Okay, we need to oh, practice yeah. more of these millennials. But uh, just, getting back, just getting back on track, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I agree with both of you. Mm. Um, there's obviously going to be issues around it with uh, cost, you know, it's going to be borne by the establishment for sure, you know, with testing and yeah. passport, checking of all this sort of stuff, all the bureaucratic stuff. The flow-on effects will obviously trickle down to the consumer. Mm. So are we prepared to pay more for things? One other thing I'm concerned about is the opportunity for gouging. Lots of sort of things take place when money's changing hands and there's vaccine there's passports to be oh like fake stuff yeah potentially fake stuff and also people being overcharged for things when they don't really need to be Mm. you know so i'm also concerned about what happens Mm -hmm. if a bar opens up and then a day or two later it's found that there was a case (sighs) in that bar oh man so is the bar going to close down is there going to be widespread panic Does the neighbourhood need to be shut down? Mm. Um, And what sort of impact will it have on that business's reputation? This week on thebureauasia.com, I posted a fantastic and uplifting listicle called Off the Beaten Path in the Philippines, eight truly unique things to do from Luzon to Mindanao. The listicle was sent out by the Philippines Department of Tourism to get us thinking about just how much fun it is in the Philippines. Now, I've been to the Philippines a bunch of times. Admittedly, most of that time has been spent in Manila and on Luzon. It's the main island of 7,000 plus islands. Manila's a city I really love, by the way, and is sorely misrepresented as a travel destination. The history of Manila in particular is fascinating for a start. But this listicle presents things I've never heard about. There are a few things I really want to do because of it. The first one is cycling around Intramuros, Mm. the walled city of Manila. Yep. The next one is going off-road on a Laha adventure. Is Mm. that right, Mel? In Pampanga. 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 Now, Pampanga is just north of Manila as the crow flies and the sexpats listening in (laughs) will know that it's where the city of Angeles is Mm. and the Clark Air Base, Mm -hmm. home to one of the most famous red light districts in the world. But pole dancing isn't the Laha experience I'm (laughs) talking about, Mal. No, no. Uh, It's lava, I think. Mr. Lava Lava. No, no, not lava. Lava, I think. 
Uh, not far from here is Mount Pinatubo and it erupted back in 1991 mm. and was the second largest terrestrial eruption of the 20th century mm. and its effects were felt worldwide, even lowering global temperatures by 0.5 degrees Celsius. Yeah. Um, decades on, the area has become a destination for extreme sports enthusiasts and you can go on off-road tours in 4x4s or motorcycles, basically along where the Ooh. lava or the laha flowed. Oh, Andy, you'd love that. You 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 love your motorbikes, don't you? Yeah, you'd love it, Andy. We should do a yeah, trip. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> and then we'll, pop, then we'll pop into Angeles on the way home. Mm, I think it's going to be a what boys' trip. What's that? Come on, I'll, I'll don't tell pretend. you about it later. <laughs> and the final one, this okay. this really blew my mind, is something I just never knew. No one had ever told me about it. The Philippines is home to the largest eagle in the world. Mm. Forget the wedge-tailed eagle in Australia, which is huge, and the American bald eagle, mm-hmm. which actually apparently is pretty small. This one has a wingspan of over two metres. Its body's up to one metre in length Mm. and they can weigh up to eight kilograms. The other thing is I'd suggest that if you're going to Mindanao, one of the southern islands of the Philippines, Uh where this eagle is native, don't take your newborn baby with you. (laughs) Uh, Because these things are also called the monkey-eating eagle. They dine out on monkeys. And I'm not suggesting newborns are monkeys. (laughs) So for more info on these unique things to see and do in the Philippines, head to our website, thebureauasia.com, and you'll find the article there. Now, guys, I thought it would be good for us to create our own listicle of Mm. nine unique things to see and do in Vietnam to post on our website, thebureauasia.com. So on the spot, I want each of you to give me three things. Okay. I'll start. I'll try to keep it brief. Okay. Number one, I really want to go to the pirate islands between mainland Vietnam and Phu Quoc. I mentioned them a couple of weeks ago in that wacky story about Captain Kidd and his treasure supposedly buried somewhere around there. My next one would be to go and see the whale cemetery in Phu Hai. Ah. Uh, in this part of the world, fisher folk worship whales and there's quite an elaborate ceremony around their burial. So mm. there's a small temple facing the beach and a quite sizable cemetery where whales who've been washed ashore or found at sea are buried. It's, it's really something to see and it's very unusual. Mm. And thirdly, I'm going to stay south with my final one and <laughs> say, put your motorbike on the train from Saigon Station, take it to Phan Thiet, then ride it to Nha Trang. Um, it's a ride I've been wanting to do for ages. If you time it right, you might even get to see turtles hatching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, there are the famous sand dunes along the way. Uh, you can hot air balloon there now. Mm. And, of course, you've got over 200 kilometres of beaches on your wow. right-hand side all the way up. Wow, I wish. I wish we could do that so tomorrow. So that would be good. Yeah. yeah. So what about you, Mel? Uh, I've never been to Dalat, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah, so I want to go there during the flower season and, you know, just take it easy, go glamping. There's a lot of glamping sites now in Dalat. Like you're not in a tent, but you're also not in like a hotel room. Right. But you're like sleeping underneath the stars and, you know, in the mountains. Nice bottle of Dalat red. (laughs) Okay, are we cooking lamb shanks or what? But yeah. I've been talking about this, uh, you know, often. I want to go to Phong Nha Cave where, where they shot the King Kong nice. movie. Yep. yep. And uh, Kanto. 
You know, when you think about Vietnam, you always mention the three major cities, which is Hanoi, uh, Hue, and, um, oh, is it Da Nang or Danang. Hue? Yeah. Danang. So Hanoi, Da Nang, and Ho Chi Minh City. Right. But there's actually like four major cities. Every time you, you look at a research market report, you know, they mention yep. four big cities, yep. you know, and Kanto. Is the fourth. It's number four, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, it's not getting as much publicity well, as the three others. Allegedly, yeah. there are 20 million people who live in the Mekong Delta mm. in Vietnam. Yeah. So there you go. Almost the population of Australia lives mm. in, in that Ka- part. Yeah. Yep. And Jollibee opened their 100 store in Vietnam in Canton. Oh, that'd be something to see. <laughs> Andy, what have you got? All right. You guys kind of me because now <laughs> I want to go that. where you guys want to go. <laughs> um, so it's definitely a fun tip because I definitely want to check out the sign June. Last time I was there, I was only there for a couple of days. And, and then I think you even spoke about it um, afterwards, Matt, about like putting a bike on the train, doing the train trip. Oh, it's like, great. Oh, my yep. God. It's just four hours from um, Saigon Station and it's there's no traffic. Highly recommend it. Yeah. Yeah, um, Kondao, Kondao Island, yep. uh, just off, um, uh, was it just off Vungtau? So I definitely want to check that place out. Uh, Fanzipan Mountain, Ah, oh, yeah. Which is, yeah, so it's just outside of, uh, when you go to South Park, it's just um, what, four hours, I think, yep. um, outside. Yep. The rooftop of Vietnam, yep. Yeah, the rooftop, you can see China, just wave. Yep. And, um, ah, Maybe Mekong Delta. Well, we've got some motorbike trips, Andy, to do. (laughs) We might have to do some uh, live streaming on our motorbike motorbike trips, hey? That that could be something to do when things open up. Yeah, Andy, Matt can be on the motorbike. You'll be on a little sidecar next to him and you have your laptop. (laughs) He's got a bigger bike. (laughs) No, but Andy's the the streaming expert. Oh, yeah, that's right. Andy's the streaming expert, so he has to be (laughs) sitting on the sidecar. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Keep an eye out for the article on thebureauasia.com. In the next week or so, we'll get to work putting it together. And don't forget, by all means, get in touch if you think we should add a destination to it. We can also extend the feature and we'll add you as a contributor to the list as well if we choose your suggestion. But please only submit things that are quite unique to Vietnam. Something a little more imaginative than, say, having a cafe sada in a cafe while watching the crazy traffic. Yes, it's kind of unique and fun and perhaps something you don't see on a day-to-day basis, but we're looking for things a bit more out of the box. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thank you for listening in. I hope you got a kick out of it and that we kicked a goal for you. Thank you to Melanie Kasul sitting alongside me in the sin bin. I don't think you put too many people offside today. Put it there, Mel. Yay, I'm out of the penalty box. You can follow Mel on Instagram at Melanie Kasul. She's pretty active on their kicking goals. And thank you, our star recruit, Andrew Tran, simping all the way to the bank and thirst trapping on a screen near you. Thanks, Andy. Let's hope we get to see you in the flesh soon to catch up on some virtue signaling together. You can follow Andy just about anywhere these days on Instagram at Andrew Tran Digital on LinkedIn at Andrew Tran Digital and check out his website, andrewtran.asia. If you don't, he'll thirst trap you anyway, no doubt. 
or haunt you. <laughs> and finally, if you didn't know already, you can keep up to date with what's happening in Vietnam and Southeast Asia at thebureauasia.com. And please join our growing Discord community, which you can access via our Facebook page. Where at, Andy? At the Bureau Asia. 